Ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to the Everything Emo podcast, part of the Heartland College Sports Podcast Network. I'm your host, Joe Tillery, and I hope you're having an absolutely wonderful Wednesday. It is a good day for basketball and football recruiting. We've got some good things to talk about in this episode, but before I do get started, let me say thank you guys so much for joining us and listening along to all the podcasts. We really appreciate all the support and all the love you guys have shown. And just to give back on that, if you're interested in leaving a five-star rating review on wherever you get your podcasts at, whether it be Spotify, Apple Music, anywhere you can get your podcasts exclusively at, go ahead and leave a rating for us there, five stars. Send a screenshot over to Pete Mundo, that's M-U-N-D-O. You can find him on both the Heartland College Sports official website as well as on Twitter. Send him that review, you can send it to him by email or by DMs, I believe. And you'll get a free Heartland College Sports koozie. He'll send one your way, and it will keep your beers cold all summer long in this hot, hot summer. I know it's already heating up a little bit. It is the middle of June. So I don't want to say that like it's a surprise. It is June, so it's expected to be a little bit hotter out there. But it's going to be a good one either way. But I do want to acknowledge before I get into things as well, we've got some new doors getting put in in the house. So if you hear any banging in the background, that's why. I'm going to do my best to cut it out and not talk when that happens. But... Whether or not that actually happens, we will see, but I'm hoping that that is not a factor in today's episode, because we've got some good topics to touch on. We have got some good topics. I'm going to probably start off with basketball, and then we'll touch a little bit on football as the episode continues. We've got two visits on the schedule, two campus visits on the schedule for K-State basketball, looking at Jerome Tang's final two open roster spots, and Tang's been vocal. He's going to fill it with dudes. There's some coaches, there's this new move, people will leave one scholarship open, at the semester break. So they have one for the first semester, and then if people transfer halfway through the year, just in case there's a good group of guys that are like, you know what, I'm done here. They still have a spot open. Tang's been vocal. He's not doing that. He's going to fill it with dudes. We've got two people on the way to Manhattan. Now, one of them had some flight issues. There were some flight issues that that happened, and I don't know what the full extent of them are. I know that the Manhattan airport's been kind of hit or miss when it comes to getting people to fly in right now, and I'm not sure if they're offering all commercial flights right now. But I do know that people are flying into Kansas City. It is a brand new airport, so that's awesome. However, you get on the ground, you have that two-hour drive, which granted, it is a beautiful drive. And if you're going to be in Manhattan, odds are you're probably going to drive to Kansas City at least a couple of times during the semester. So it's something you familiarize yourself with. But it is an immediate, you know, turn away saying, you know, we got to drive two hours. After we land, we drive two hours to get to the facility. Rather than flying into Manhattan, Coach Tang, Coach Dowling meet you at the airport. It's different that way. It's interesting to see... But I do know that there are some flight plans that got messed up, and I know there's some nationwide flight delays right now for different weather issues, especially with all the fires and a couple of different things going on. But the two guys we have coming to Manhattan, they're both West Virginia Mountaineers at the moment. I mean, they're technically in the transfer portal, so I guess they're not. I don't know how to say that. But either way, they're both looking for somewhere else to go. One of them being senior guard Joe Toussaint. The other one being sophomore forward Muhammad Wagi. And I'm going to acknowledge it now. The way Wagee is spelled blows my mind. It's W-A-G-U-E, so it looks like Wag or something like that. It's Wagee. So I'm just going to get that out of the way now for pronunciation out there if you want to know anything more about him. They're very different players. They're two different players. I mean, they're at different points in their college career. And that's not shocking by any means to say, but I know that Joe Toussaint spent his first three years of college basketball at Iowa, so he had some good stuff there at Iowa, and then comes to West Virginia for his senior year, has a decent season. I mean, I'll pull up his stats here now, but... Just a hair under 10 points per game, about three assists per game, and about a rebound and a half. He's not a big guy. I mean, six-foot-tall guard. It's not like we're really needing gigantic guards or anything like that. Obviously, size is a great thing to have on the court, regardless of what position you play. But he's a good player, man. He's a tough, gritty guy that really, it feels like, could fit in well in Manhattan. And I know that there's still a lot of guys in the portal right now, a lot of guards in the portal specifically, that I'm like, you know, this could be a guy I'm looking at. This could be a guy I'm looking at. 
So while Joe Toussaint is out there, he's also announced that he's going to tour just about every place that has a has a basketball program. Like everybody that's going after him. And granted, there is a specific set of teams that are going after people at this point in the year because there's a limited amount of people that still have roster spots open. Kansas State's one of them. Texas Tech is one of them. Oklahoma State has a couple of spots open. There's stuff all around. So Joe Toussaint, I believe the original flight plan, he was going to fly to Kansas City on Monday. Today being Wednesday, he was going to head there on Monday. And then stay through Wednesday, and then on Wednesday he was going to fly from Kansas City to Lubbock and go tour Texas Tech, and then stay there through Friday. What's been changed around? This is the difference. He was going to get on campus, spend two days in Manhattan, and then fly to Lubbock, spend two days there, and then we'll see what happens after that. He announced basically, hey, flight plans are screwing me up. I'm going to go to Lubbock first. So he ends up flying to Lubbock on Tuesday. Monday, just flights got canceled, plan got canceled, goes to Lubbock on Tuesday. His plan, I believe, is to stay Tuesday. I'm not sure if he's going to leave Wednesday or leave Thursday. I think it's Thursday. And then come stay Thursday through Saturday-ish, Thursday through Sunday-ish in Manhattan. And then after that, he's going to go check out Alabama for a day trip and then do Zoom calls with, I believe, Gonzaga. And there's another place interested. I think DePaul or something like that. Creighton, maybe. There's a couple of schools interested. So his plans are, instead of going to Manhattan first, which I really felt good about, you know, when you put somebody first, no matter who it is, you have a little bit of preferential treatment towards them. If it's everything that you expected, that's where you go. Usually, nine times out of ten. And while K-State isn't a place that immediately secures commitments after your first visit there, that could happen with some of these Big 12 guys that have seen Big 12 basketball. They know what they're going from. They know what they're going to. Coach Tang just seems universally loved across the conference and across the country. Obviously, Naismith, Coach of the Year. He's a good, good guy to play for. Joe Tucson is not only looking at K-State, he's looking at Texas Tech, who's got a head coach similar to Tang with the Scott Drew coaching tree in Grant McCaslin in his upcoming in his first year. And then he also has Alabama, who can throw a bag at anybody. Though They've got the most NIL money to throw anybody, basically, them in Arkansas. And then he's going to take a look at a couple other programs like Gonzaga and you know Creighton or Duke, wherever he's looking at, excuse me, maybe Kentucky as well. There's a couple of different places. What's good about him? He fits a Desi Sills role to a T. That competitive, fierce guy, he's never started in college basketball. I mean, he probably, I'm sure he has somewhere along the way, but for a season, he hasn't started. He's come off the bench averaging 19 minutes, 20 minutes. Plays eerily similar to how Desi Seals played for us last year. Obviously, he came in and started for us late in the season, but early on in the season where he was getting that 19, 20-minute role, he's the first guy off the bench. That's how I think Joe Toussaint would play. I'm not sure if he'd start for us or not. It just depends on how far Cam Carter's development has gone. And the other player, the other player I want to look at, Mohamed Wagi. Now, now I'm just going to call him Mo for the sake of this podcast, so I'm going to get that out of the way immediately. This dude can play. But like I said, they're at different points in their college basketball lifestyles. Mo Wagi is only a sophomore. He's a young guy, but he does play the forward position. Six foot ten. He's long. He's streaky. He's athletic. But he didn't get many minutes last season. Think of him similar to how you'd think of like an Ernest Uday Jr. Obviously, Ernest Uday is a five-star, played at Kansas. Everybody wants him. That's the case there. Mo Wagee, and I'm not saying he's a five-star and he's going to be incredible all the time, he didn't have much production because he didn't have many minutes. I mean, I'll read you his stats here now. He averaged 4.1 points a game, 3.1 rebounds on 74% field goal shooting. He averaged 10 minutes a game. So it wasn't like he went crazy. He didn't see the floor much. So while those numbers aren't crazy, if you average that and you if you take it and push it to the point of 40 minutes. So just multiply everything by four, basically. He's averaging 4.1 points per game. In 40 minutes, he'd be averaging 16.4. Keep in mind, this is at West Virginia, too. And then if you take his rebounds, he'd be averaging 16 and 12. Maybe 15 and 12, excuse me. And while that's like, oh my gosh, Joe, that's a, that's a lot of points. It's a lot of rebounds. I don't know if you can keep that up. He did that. He did that recently. 
He played at junior college and was the junior college player of the year in his conference, averaged 15 and 12, had more rebounds than everybody in the country. I mean, this is the dude that can really compete. 15 and 12 is ridiculous to think about from a big guy. And I know that Naquan Tomlin's going to be our focal point. You know, you've got a guy like Jarrell Colbert at the center position. But if you add an athlete like Mo Wagee to the squad, that's a player I'd be over the moon about. Wagee fits that role of someone who has a ton of time still to grow into a better player and develop under Coach Tang. He doesn't have to come in and immediately be the guy. You know, that's why you bring in a Tyler Perry. That's why you let Naquan Tomlin develop. That's why you bring in guys like an Arthur Kaluma, that they are ready to be the guy. Mo Wiggy, once again, at a different point in his college career, he still has to learn and develop, and obviously, to an extent, he's going to be a little bit off based off of what he saw at West Virginia and based off what he had in junior college. It's going to be a different experience. I don't mean to say you just throw either of those experiences out, but it's definitely a different role, a different defense, a different style of basketball. And you're going to have to come to terms with that. However, he's currently on a visit, I believe, with DePaul. He's, he's scheduled to be on campus on Thursday. And while I think that's a good thing, the interesting thing about both recruitments the two teammates from West Virginia will be on campus in Manhattan at the same time. And at face value, I think that's a good idea because they're familiar. They'll have some sense of familiarity to talk and bounce ideas off of each other. But it proposes a couple of interesting situations. One being, do they view themselves as a package deal if they're both touring at the same spot? I know they don't, but in theory, it'd be an easy conversation to group them together. To say, okay, well, Mo, if you go here then it's going to be an easy get to get Joe Toussaint. Joe Toussaint, you go here, you got to get Mo here too. And I know they're looking at different places as well on top of K-State. It's not that K-State's the only front runner, But I think that that's an interesting slippery slope. You don't get the one-on-one personal, hey, we're interested in you, rather than both of you could have success here. You know, you're addressing two versus one. And while I know that's not that big of a change, it still does, you, you still do lose a little bit of that personal experience. You know, Mo Wiggy doesn't get the one-on-one playing ping-pong with Jerome Tang the same way he would on, a, on his own visit. Like, it's going to be different. And I think that that could work well. We'll see how it goes. But if I had to give you an official prediction, I'm going to give it to you right now. I know it's early in the process. I know we don't know much. Joe Toussaint has garnered a lot of respect and a lot of people saying, you know what, this dude would be perfect in Manhattan. I agree with that. And I don't, I don't mean to just dunk on him here. I think he fits that Desi Sills role, but there's one thing that I don't think anyone is talking about. It's going to sound bad when I say it out of my mouth. How committed is he to winning for the overall team? What does he want to do for the team? And I know you could say, oh, he wants to win. Everybody wants to win. People want to win at a certain extent, at a certain point. Obviously, he's going to have dreams of the NBA. This is his final year of eligibility, his final year of college basketball. The same reason Ish Masood wanted to leave K-State Ish wasn't staying for 15 minutes, 16 minutes a game. He wants to play at the next level, so he's going to go somewhere we can showcase his talents. And the best chance to do that is when you're starting somewhere. He has a chance to come start. But I really like him in that sixth man off the bench role. And I don't know, I, haven't, I don't know the guy's psyche, I, don't, I haven't talked to him. He doesn't really have the time to learn on top of this. Like He doesn't get to grow in and have another year of eligibility. This is his last chance in college basketball. So my one question that nobody's really been bringing up is, is he going to be comfortable coming off the bench versus saying, you know what, I've done what I've done. I'm entitled to start. And then you look at the bench and you say, well, Cam Carter supposedly is going to be an All-Big 12 player. Like, he's that good. Everybody's excited about his development. Everybody thinks he's going to be incredible. And you're not going to start over Tyler Perry. So the only position you'd start at outside of point guard would be your two guard over Cam Carter. Do I believe he would start over Cam Carter? No. No, I don't. I think Cam Carter would have an easier time coming off the bench 
than I do a guy like like Joe Toussaint. But I think that's going to be an interesting juxtaposition that the team has to consider. Is this guy going to value K-State enough to put them above a school like Texas Tech where he can immediately start? Or a school like Creighton where they just want a veteran guy to come in and lead their team? I don't mean to say that he won't, and I don't mean to say like put any bad juju out there, but I think that's something that we're all just looking away from. Nobody's really considering that part of this. I think it's easy to get caught up in, you know what, what's best for the team? What's best for them? And people really, really forget that these players' end goal isn't to be in college basketball. You saw every West Virginia fan, and I'm going to tell you right now, West Virginia, I don't feel bad for you. Obviously, the Bob Huggins stuff I do see as a tough situation, but like for the fans, man, they're going after everybody that enters the portal and says, wow, you're not committed to West Virginia. Here's the thing. Why should they be? If their goals are to go to the NBA and you get a new interim head coach, what responsibility do they owe to stay there and to see it through? It's not like the team's going to contend for a Big 12 title. And it's not like they're going to have a shot beyond that in the postseason tournament unless they retain everybody on their team. They already lost their best player in Trey Mitchell. Obviously, Kirk Creasa is coming back, and, and obviously you've got Raekwon Battle as well there and a couple of other dudes, Jesse Edwards to name. But what do they owe the school? That's what people forget. People forget what these players do at the end of the day. They want to be the best player at their position. And it's not to say they're selfish guys, but like Desi Seals had no issue coming off the bench. How would Joe Toussaint fit that role? And I'd be interested to see how that goes. He could be a super humble guy, super just coach, I'll do whatever we need to do to win. And I could be wrong, but that's one thing I want to watch. Mo Wiggie, I think, ends up in Manhattan. I don't think Joe Toussaint ends up at K-State. We'll see. But I'll tell you one name to watch for is a guy I love at the guard position. I think Athiel Horton from UCF. He's a great three-point shooter, facilitator, six foot five, bigger body, averaged 12.3 a game last year, a couple, like three or four rebounds. Guy's a good player. He's someone to watch. I've been very vocal about him. If Joe Toussaint comes, let me get this out of the way, I have no issue with that. I would love to have another veteran guard. I'd just be interested to see how that fit works. It's kind of how I was conceiving bringing in a guy like Trey Mitchell to say, you know what? It's his last year of college eligibility. He's good enough to start. He's had good minutes in Big 12 basketball. Probably deserves to start, but he's not going to start over Naquan Tomlin. That's just the way it goes. I think we have a similar situation to that with Joe Toussaint. It depends on the player and the type of person he is more than it does what he does on the court. So we'll see what happens. Mo Wiggy is a sophomore. He has time. He can sit behind Naquan Tomlin, come in for that 10, 12, 15 minutes a game, and see himself grow and develop. I think Wiggee is going to be our 12th guy and the 13th spot. I don't know yet. We'll see. Obviously, they want to get a guard, so they look for a guard. But Mo Wiggee would be a great athletic player to bring in for the future. Now, I'm going to quick hit on K-State football. We've got a little bit of time left. I just want to slam through some K-State football real quick. We had an official visit weekend. Michael Boganowski, the top player in the state of Kansas, four-star linebacker. K-State has a chance to land the number one player in the state in back-to-back years. Obviously, landed Avery Johnson last year. Let's see what happens with Boganowski. It sounds like Oklahoma's making a big pitch, but like every single person in this man's family have posted about K-State. It's, it's clear that the family aspect is pushing him towards it. Not like the literal K-State family aspect, but his actual family is saying, you know what, go to K-State. And while it is the kid's decision, I'd be interested to see what the next couple of, what the next couple of weeks look like. We've got three or four guys that are three stars, four stars, top players that have a chance to come to K-State here in the next couple of weeks. I listened to the Three Mile podcast recently with uh, Derek Young and Cole Manbeck. John Kurtz was not there. And I believe Derek Young works for On3 Sports. He's got a lot of inside sources, talked about it. His prediction is that we'll have two or three guys, we'll know where they're going by the July 4th weekend. Not this one, but the one, I guess, okay, after the July 4th weekend. You'll have Grant Bricks, who's a four-star player, the top player in the state of Iowa, heavily considering K-State. 
I think on three has their crystal ball looking like 53, 54% K-State and the other like 46. I think it's like Oklahoma, something like that. Texas Tech, we'll see. Grant Bricks would be a massive one. Six foot six, six foot five offensive lineman. Caden Massey, another guy K-State's going to bat for. Three-star lineman who's been just shooting up the charts. Like, it feels like K-State football is also on the map for recruiting. Like, Coach Tang had such a dramatic success in his first year, a drastic change that everybody wants to go to Manhattan immediately because they saw what they can do and they saw the type of guy he is. Chris Kleiman is a quiet coach. He's not a guy that's going to put himself out there and have this giant personality in front of everybody, but he goes to work. He's a hardworking guy and everybody wants to play for him. He's kind of that Nick Saban model of, this is a consistent coach that we will we will love every single year. He's going to put us in a, in a successful championship spot. This is the guy we want leading us. I think as more people see an Avery Johnson and a Will Howard have success at K-State, we're really going to pick it up. So my prediction, obviously, if K-State can go into this football season and go 10-2 and and win a Big 12 championship in back-to-back seasons, that is the biggest blueprint for how we take that step to get the college football playoff. K-State has a chance to do some incredible things, bring in five stars left and right after this. Because you get a young guy like Avery Johnson leading the squad next year. Potentially, obviously, Drake, Jake Rubley is te- technically next in line. But you bring in a guy that could compete for a Heisman Trophy once he's ready. I know Will Howard is a dark horse for Heisman right now. But you get guys that can develop. And you've seen that. Coach Kleiman has turned Felix Anudike Uzama, a six foot two, 190-pound defensive end, into a six foot five, 255-pound first-round pick of the NFL draft. He turned Deuce Vaughn into a superstar of college football, a two-time All-American. Came in, you know, virtually three-star, two-star kid. K-State has every single opportunity to be special in the next couple of years. But what I'm saying now, everybody pay attention. The month of June and July are going to be big. We've only got a couple more days left in June. I think by the second week of July, it might look completely different for both squads. We might know completely who we have. And I'm interested to see what happens. But thank you guys so much for listening to this episode of the Everything Ema podcast, part of the Heartland College Sports Podcast Network. I'm your host, Joe Tiller. I hope you had a wonderful day and a wonderful time listening. We will see you next week on Wednesday. Take care and go Cats.